Dr. Ely, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? I am wonderful. Good, good, good. And hello, classmates, and welcome to this installment of Hillman Class Reunion. And today we will review episode 14 of the second season of A Different World. So we are having so much fun, and we hope that you are having a great time also listening to this podcast and taking a stroll down memory lane as we discuss these very great episodes of A Different World. So as a note to our listeners, we've structured the podcast to review each episode in chronological order. So pull out your blankets, your memories, your flasks, get your headset all set up, turn the radio up in the car, whichever way (laughs) you are trying to listen to us today. Not on the radio. (laughs) Did I say radio? Yeah. That's all right. (laughs) Y'all know what I'm trying to say. If you listen to us, you know, on your phone, through your Bluetooth, in the the car, (laughs) turn it up as we go down memory lane and review episode 14 of the second season of A Different World. So episode 14 is entitled, Breaking Up is Hard to Do. Yes, it is. This episode aired um, February 9th, 1989. So, Portia, you are generally the whiz with dates and all of that good stuff. Is there anything interesting or important we need to know or be reminded of about February 9th, 1989? Any historical context there? Or was this just a regular Thursday uneventful night? Well, you know... A regular Thursday uneventful night was always a, a Thursday eventful night for us. With, true, uh, true. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, a different world. But, um, you know, you, you all remember in previous episodes, we've mentioned that Jesse Jackson will be making a special guest appearance later on um, this season. Um, and as we know, well, I hope you all know <laughs> that Jesse Jackson ran for president. Uh, back in the 80s. And although he did not win the Democratic nomination, he went farther than any other Black person ever did before, which was a historic run. The next Black person to make it as far as him, of course, was Barack Obama, and he was able to secure the presidency. Now, Jackson's campaign manager was a man named Ron Brown. So on February 10th, the day after this episode, Mm -hmm. and it was actually two to three weeks after George H.W. Bush was sworn in as president, Ron Brown was elected chairman of the Democratic National Committee, becoming the first African-American to lead a major U.S. political party. He went on to be widely credited with steering the Democratic Party to a win in 1992 with Bill Clinton, which was a huge accomplishment because the Dems hadn't won the presidential seat since Jimmy Carter in 1976. Um, and we'll get into this a little bit later on the impact of um, Jesse Jackson's presidential run on the Democratic Party. Um, and that's why they decided to go with Ron Brown to help them in the next presidential election. Uh, Ron Brown, unfortunately, died in a plane crash in Croatia on April 3rd, 1996. But his legacy is firmly established and the Democratic Party has never been the same since uh, Jesse Jackson ran and 
was able to uh, develop this coalition, this this uh, base that the Democratic Party enjoys today. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I also wanted to add that um, President Bill Clinton also nominated Ron Brown as United States Secretary of Commerce, sure which did. was a very big deal for an African-American uh, male to hold that position person in general to hold that position. He may have been the first black person to hold that position, but I do remember the day that um, he died in the plane crash. I remember Ron Brown being nominated or, or President Clinton nomination of him to that position and how happy we were, you know, as a family about that. And also how disappointed and very sad and heartbroken I was when he died in the plane crash. And girl, to be honest, um, even though I was very young, or relatively young when that happened, in my mind, I was like, was this a conspiracy? It just just felt really, really weird. But um, nonetheless, you know, we give honor where honor is due. So we just pay respect and homage and uh, to Ron Brown and definitely acknowledge uh, his legacy and all that he accomplished and what he did for the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. All right. So the episode summary. Couples at Hillman College experience broken hearts and discord as Valentine's Day approaches. This episode was directed by, of course, Debbie Allen. The writers are Mike Scott and Daryl G. Nickens. We've seen and talked about, or rather we have talked about this dynamic duo before. They were creative partners. Just to remind you, they've produced several television sitcom shows throughout the 90s together, including Webster 227 and What's Happening Now. And of course, they wrote a couple of episodes of A Different World. The producers are... Marcy Carsey, Debbie Allen, Joanne Curley Kerner, Susan Fells Hill, Nancy Hess, Thad Mumford, Margie Peters, and Tom Warner. In this episode, we have our faves Don Lewis, Jasmine Guy, Kadeem Hardison, Charnell Brown, Cree Summer, Sinbad, Glenn Terman, and Lou Myers. So, in terms of the regular cast, we've got everyone except. Daryl M. Bell, and Mary Alice. Now, there are some guest appearances uh, playing Suzanne Taylor. Also, Colonel Taylor's daughter is Tracy Lee Harrison. Now, we've seen Tracy Lee Harrison in a couple of episodes. Portia, is this her final episode? This is her final episode. So, you know, again, with the theme of this episode, you might see where this is going <laughs> between <laughs> Dwayne and Suzanne. We are not oh, going to yeah. see Suzanne again. So yeah. Shout okay. out to Tracy Lee Harrison. Yes. And then we also have the little acorns who make a, I guess we can call it a musical guest appearance. <laughs> and this group is composed of, they don't have any character names on the show, but their actual names are Matthew Dickens, Rory Nix, and Daryl Tribble. So, Portia, can you give us a little background on our three acorns? 
All right, so um, one of our acorns is Matthew Dickens, um, and he actually made several appearances on A Different World. We'll see him pop up again, actually, in season four and season six. Okay. However, he's best known as a dancer and choreographer appearing in Fame, which is listed as his first TV credit on IMDb, and the movie versions of Dreamgirls and Rent. He also performed in the Broadway productions of Dreamgirls, Miss Saigon, and Sunset Boulevard, and frequently worked with Debbie Allen on various stage and television productions. And unfortunately, in 2013, he passed away from cancer. So that is Mr. Dickens. Uh, Rory Nix is our second little acorn. And according to IMDb, this episode was his only acting credit. Um, I wasn't able to find much about him, but it seems that he went on to have an extensive career as a sound mixer on various film, television shows, and music videos. So that's Mr. Nix. And finally, rounding out our little acorn group is Daryl Tribble. Now, apparently this was his only appearance on A Different World. He also made appearances um, on the 80s sitcom Head of the Class and performed on Broadway in Dreamgirl. Dream Girls and West Side Story, but he was best known as a dancer during the first four seasons of the TV series Fame. Mm-hmm. Now, in 1990, Daryl Tribble died of AIDS, oh. and this is this is really important. Um, and I want to give a shout out to author, writer, entertainment correspondent Lionel Williams, who provided some really great background on Daryl Tribble um, on his IG page several years ago. You can go to. Uh, his his IG handle is 3LWTV um, mm-hmm. if you want to learn more. So you may remember the highly controversial at the time season four episode of A Different World featuring Tisha Campbell as an HIV, HIV positive uh, student. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, I do. So according to Lionel Williams, in the closing credits of the episode on the night that it originally aired, there was a note dedicating the episode to Daryl Tribble. Oh, wow. Yes. But allegedly, the network didn't want to include this dedication, but Debbie Allen, being Debbie Allen, she insisted. And she was going to make it happen. She made it happen. God bless her. Now, if you go on Amazon Prime to watch this episode, like I did, Mm -hmm. you will see that it is not there. So For some reason, it was taken out. So classmates, Mm -hmm. if you happen to see this episode on TV, or if you see it, you know, if it's somewhere on YouTube... Um, and you see this dedication, please let us know. So that is Mr. Daryl Tribble. Oh, you know what? Um, I watch, again, the reruns of the show on TV One. And I recently watched that particular episode with Tisha Campbell. But um, admittedly, I didn't pay a lot of attention towards the, or rather at the closing credits. But the next time that comes on, I will definitely make sure to to check that out yeah oh thank you for that insight portion that was interesting all right well with that said let's delve into our episode recap of breaking up is hard to do so dr flowers walk us through the plot here All right, so we open the show with Freddie helping Kim set up the pit in preparation for the Sweethearts Dance in celebration of Valentine's Day. Yes, this is the Valentine's Day episode of A Different World. Kim has a letter from her boyfriend, Robert, who is studying abroad in England. 
Freddie encourages her to open it now, but she refuses as Robert has instructed her to wait until Valentine's Day to open the letter. Suddenly, grumpy Mr. Gaines comes in, upset that clumsy Freddie is messing with his napkins and insists that she put a hairnet over that poodle hair. (laughs) Lord have mercy. On the other side of the room, we see Whitley sitting alone when Dwayne runs down the stairs asking her for advice. He shows Whitley the ring that he bought Suzanne and asks for her opinion. Surprisingly, though, Whitley approves. It passes the Whitley test. Now, after four whole months, Dwayne thinks it's time to take the relationship to another level. A communicative and committed boyfriend, Dwayne reveals that he calls Suzanne multiple times a day, including first thing every morning to make sure she doesn't forget him overnight. Woo. That's some that's some dedication, I, I guess. That is dedication. <laughs> and then the woman of the hour enters the pit, Miss Suzanne, and the two greet and Dwayne eagerly gives Suzanne her Valentine's Day gift, which is surprising because she didn't know they were exchanging gifts for Valentine's Day. Taken aback by the ring, Suzanne excuses herself to go to the restroom. So let's let's break this down. First of all, just a few short episodes ago, Mr. Robert, <laughs> Kim's boyfriend, thought he was going to be a pappy. <laughs> and now this boy done jumped up and went overseas to England. My goodness. That did not take long, did it? It sure didn't. That man got his freedom papers and left. And left. (laughs) He was like, I'm out. (laughs) And also, you know, these things aren't, you know, quick and easy that, you know, if you're going to do a study abroad program, you usually start the process at least a semester prior. I'm sure. Not earlier. Absolutely. So he knew he was going to go to England it you know despite this crisis (laughs) right so a few episodes ago as you mentioned Portia Portia he thought he was going to be a father but I earnestly believe that he probably in his mind thought oh my god this is going to hamper my exchange program and I will not be able to go to London but you know what I'm going to be the man take care of my baby but I just really believe he would have gone either way (laughs) because that's what people do. He might have. And, you know, we'll, we'll find out a little bit more about his time in England, but I'm sure the fact that the test came back negative Mm -hmm. sure did influence him to, to take a bite out of England. Right. I'm sure. I'm sure it did. Enjoy that time. All right, now let's let's get back over into Virginia and Hillman campus and talk about Dwayne. And actually, let's back up just a little bit. Dwayne asked Whitley for some help, and then she said, "Do I look like Dr. Ruth?" <laughs> I remember Dr. Ruth. Dr. Ruth, yes. If you are if you are people of a certain age, you definitely know who she is. But just to fill in the rest of the classmates, Dr. Ruth is better that's her that's her stage name really but her actual name is dr ruth westheimer Mm -hmm. and she was quite a popular sex therapist in the 80s and 90s i remember her showing up on a lot of talk shows she had her own show i used to watch it late night my mama didn't know though (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, so she was born Carola. I, I'm sorry if I'm if I'm mispronouncing her name. She was born Carola Ruth Siegel in Germany. Oh. And she survived the Holocaust and eventually immigrated to America in the 1950s. I did not know she was a Holocaust survivor. Me neither. Not until I started doing a little background um, on her. So, yeah, she survived the Holocaust and she became a researcher uh, here in America and a professor. And then she built a multimedia empire with a radio show, television series, books, and numerous talk show appearances, like we mentioned um, and according to IMDb, she even has several television and film acting credits. And she celebrated her 93rd birthday earlier this year. Oh, yes. So Dr. Ruth is still going strong. And yes, that that is Miss Dr. Ruth. Um, if you want to learn more, just go on and Google. There's plenty of information out there. There's a lot of people that learn stuff <laughs> because of her and probably some of the the. Um, attitudes that we have now around sex could probably be traced back to her. Even just the simple fact of talking about sex publicly mm -hmm. um, yeah. was a big deal. Uh, so yeah, that, that is Dr. Ruth. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for that insight and little history about Dr. Ruth. But in getting back to this scene, were you surprised that Dwayne approached Willie for help? or love advice, relationship advice? Uh, yes and no. You know, uh, I think um, they've come a long way since season one mm -hmm. where they were adversaries. But then again, Whitley was, was adversarial to a lot of people. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's nice to see that they've developed a bit of a, a friendship and some rapport. But right. I think Dwayne also realizes that Whitley, you know, she – She's sophisticated and, you know, mm -hmm, if he's going to mm -hmm. get uh, Susanna Ring, who better than to ask the woman whose standards are sky high, true, you know, is true. this good enough? And, and Whitley saw it and bit that ring <laughs> as soon as she saw it. And she was like, oh, OK, yeah, you did good. So if it, if it passes the Whitley test, Dwayne felt like, all right, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, that makes sense. But what do you think about this ring? What do you think about, you know, the ring and his pace of movement? Do you think like this is too much too fast? Uh, yeah, he was he was definitely doing a lot. I could absolutely empathize with Suzanne's hesitation. He was doing the most. Yeah. It was yeah. the ring is a bit much. And even though it was not an official engagement ring. You know, there are connotative meanings behind certain actions. And so the context of it was a bit much. Yeah, especially after four months, you still kind of like getting to know each other. I mean, you know, it wasn't that long ago that Dwayne was having issues with knowing that her father was Colonel Taylor. Right. So, you know, it, it, it is a little surprising that Dwayne would move this quickly. And it's not surprising that Suzanne would be like, mm, thank you, but no, no thanks. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. But Dwayne is definitely a bit of an ear beaver. And there are guys like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, have you ever given someone special a gift too soon in the relationship or has anyone given something to you 
a bit too soon. Even if it's not, you know, not a gift, but have have you ever noticed the two of you not necessarily being on the same pace? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I've never been the one to give a gift too soon. Yeah, no, I've never been the one to give a gift too soon, but I've definitely been on the receiving end of big gifts or even some little gifts that I thought was too soon. Mm-hmm. Like I met a guy one time and we didn't even live in the same city. So, we, you know, we exchanged numbers and he was a really, really nice guy. Very sweet, but... Within a week, he sent me like teddy bears and flowers and a song. It was very romantic and very sweet, but it was just a little too much for me, too fast. He sent like a, some music soul child song on an MP3 player. Very sweet, but it was he was doing too much for me. And then in college, this guy, he wrote a song. <laughs> And performed it. Ooh. Again, very sweet, very nice, but just too a little bit too much for Ely. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mind a little cat and mouse in the beginning, especially. What about you? Uh, let's see. Uh, no, I don't think that there might have been a time or two where I may have, not not around gifts, but may have thought that we were more than what we were Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so had some expectations uh, and and wanting to move along and realize oh no okay we're not at that stage yet oh now I've been there too (laughs) (laughs) I've definitely been at the point where you know it's like hey you know mentally I'm like okay so what is this (laughs) right but yeah yeah, so having to kind of recalibrate and be like, oh, okay, well, I think we're, I thought we were here, but we're there. So <laughs> let's operate accordingly. <laughs> so, okay. So now that we have established that Dwayne is head over heels and Suzanne's feet are firmly on the ground, let's move on to the next scene where we see Whitley in her room confirming her date with Derek Allen. I wonder, I kind of wonder if this is somebody that was on the crew. Like, you know, it, my ears just perk up. I want, I, I kind of want to know when they say a first and last name. Yeah. Is this like an Easter egg or something? Yeah. When I heard her say that, I was trying to recall if Whitley had ever said the name before, but I don't know. I couldn't place it. Yeah, classmates, let us know if you know who Derek Allen is, right. <laughs> if that name is significant. All right, so anyway, she's confirming her date with Derek Allen, which will be dinner at 6.30, then off to the Sweetheart's Dance, fashionably late at 8.30 p.m. And suddenly Kim walks in, and Kim walks in, and she is steaming mad as Whitley muses over her mother's approval of her new beau, who has an early acceptance to Harvard Law School, by the way, Kim is busy throwing any and everything that reminds her of Robert into a box. Kim hands Whitley the letter that Robert sent her. And unfortunately, Robert accidentally sent her the letter 
he intended to send to his best friend, Julius. And what happened in England did not stay in England. Mm -mm. Robert revealed that he had relations with a young woman, a young English woman, excuse me. Not (laughs) relations. Had relations, yes. He had some relations with a young English woman. And Whitley tries to reason with her. After all, surely she did not think that he would remain celibate for his entire six-month stay. But Kim reminds her it's only been three weeks. And what what was the, how did she say? They've held dogs longer in <laughs> somewhere in TSA or something. So, yeah, Kim, Kim is, uh, she's hot. She's hot. Kim is hot. All right, now let's break this down. What do you think about Robert's adventures in England? And are you surprised that he cheated on her? No. <laughs> Am I, I'm not surprised he cheated on Kim. Robert did what I expect a man to do when he's away <laughs> from oh. his significant other. Hell, I expect him to do it when she's down the street, when she at the house and he's out. So Ooh. I'm definitely Whitley. Like she, Whitley is my spirit animal when she's like, well, what did you expect after six months? So, yeah, I'm not surprised. Aww. Even though a few weeks ago he was all gung-ho in love with Kim and ready to step up to the plate and be her baby daddy. Yeah. You know, again, like we were saying earlier, I, I think that Robert's new lease on life which was a negative pregnancy test, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, helped Robert see things a little differently. And he decided, I'm in England. I'm going to take full advantage. I'm going to get to know the people. And I'm going to get to know them intimately. Because <laughs> <laughs> just a few weeks ago, I didn't, you know, it, it could have been a different way. It could have gone a different way. And I may have never, ever seen England or experienced anything before you know he, he not only that it could have been a situation where he'd have to drop out of college kim would have to drop out of college to take care mm-hmm. of this this child you know their lives could have turned out differently so yeah, yeah i'm not surprised even under normal circumstances but under this situation that he's in i'm not surprised that he's just kind of like i'm free and i'm finna do everything right <laughs> like i have a second chance <laughs> I have a second chance. Yeah. You know, and, but what I found fascinating was that, you know, again, this is 1989. So we're very much writing letters. Mm-hmm. Ain't no email. Right. Um, so, you know, it's, it's interesting that he is saying all of this to his friend and it just kind of goes against the stereotype that guys don't gossip. Yes, they do. Yeah, Absolutely. They talk about stuff, and I'm sure there's plenty of guys that were writing letters to their homeboys and just saying, you know, this, that, and the third. I'm, I'm, I'm getting it left, right, and center. You should be here, right? Spilling all the tea with some, I'm sure a lot, not even some, with a lot of embellishment and hyperbole. <laughs> right? Yeah, that too, that too. So, yeah, unfortunately for Kim, though, she she found out from the horse's mouth it was not. Um, the news was not broken to her gently. So right, yeah, that's uh, a tough way to find out too. Yeah, and I don't know. It. I'm. I'm guessing this must be Valentine's Day because he told her don't open it until Valentine's yeah, Day. Yeah, it's so, on Valentine's Day. 
what a way to to start your Valentine's Day finding out your boyfriend cheated on you. Right. Poor Kim. Poor Kim. Now, okay, let's talk about these long distance relationships. What do you think about them? Do you think that they that they can work? And is it realistic for, you know, not just a man but for anyone to stay faithful for 6 months? In short, I don't think long distance relationships work for everybody. If they do work, I think it's for a very, very small group of people. (laughs) Mm. But I've tried it and it ended up in disaster. And after that one time, I said I would never do it again. Mm. Mm -hmm. Is it realistic to expect a person to stay faithful for six months in a long distance relationship? Um. I'm a bit jaded, I'll be honest. I don't expect, in a relationship, I don't expect people to be faithful, whether they're long distance or, like I said, next door. So, that's just my opinion. Mm. I think there's always going to be a cheating party, in most cases. Woo. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you're right, It you know, the distance part isn't isn't so much the issue as it is, you know, having. Uh, to me, I feel like um, it can work, but it depends on whether or not the people want it to work, or that person wants to wants to remain faithful. You know, I think sometimes it's challenging because some people think, well, out of sight, out of mind, and mm-hmm. I know I'm in a relationship, but that person ain't here. So I I can do whatever I want to do. And that's just a character thing to me. If you, if you're going to engage with someone and make them think that this is a monogamous relationship, meanwhile, you are definitely not monogamous. That's a, that's a character issue to me. Yeah. And, and so that requires a level of honesty and communication and you know, and a and an agreement. You can maintain a long distance relationship even if you decide, well, we're gonna keep it open. Yeah. That that's a great point. Um, being open and honest is important. And let me not negate the human aspect of it because a lot of people, maybe not all people, but a lot of people want and miss and yearn for connection and companionship. And so to be separated geographically, especially to that extent where you are, where it's hard to be physically together, um, you know, that also adds another layer of complication to the issue. So maybe not everyone who cheats in a long distance relationship does so out of malice. Maybe sometimes life happens. I don't know. But I can say when I was in a long distance relationship and it wasn't a relationship that was across the pond, (laughs) it was a drivable distance. Uh, I kept to my end of the bargain, but the other party did not. Yeah. And, and, And it requires you, I think it's important that people don't just say what, what, 
they think the other person wants to hear, but they yeah. say the truth. And so yeah. if you know your truth is, I actually don't do well in long distance relationships, or I don't want a long distance relationship, you need to say that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're going to be lying to everybody. Right. And I think it's totally fine to say, you know what, I actually really want someone close by. I mm-hmm. I need that physical um you know, aspect and, and six months ain't going to do it for me. So we just going to have to break up or we just going to have to agree to be open, be open. Yeah. <laughs> or something. Um, but yeah, yes. Yeah. To say what you, what your needs are. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but you know, th- these are things that, that sometimes take a lot of times take experience True. to find out and and perhaps Kim and Robert didn't know that about themselves maybe Robert didn't True. know that actually he is not built for a long distance relationship till he got to England and saw the women there <laughs> but I mean the way he was in Kim's room though girl clearly <laughs> there was some physical needs <laughs> okay on somebody's end so okay but nonetheless what happens in the next scene Yes. All right. So let's go across the hall where we see Jaleesa uh, dealing with someone who keeps calling on the phone asking for Tidewater Savings Bank. This is, of course, before caller ID. I wonder if Tidewater Savings Bank is a real bank. There is. I know there's like a Tidewater investment firm or investment bank. If I'm not mistaken, I've seen it before. Maybe it was called Tidewater Savings Bank back in the 80s. Maybe so. Or it's like a a finance (laughs) company. There is a finance company, some type of finance company called Tidewater, though. Financial services company. Well, even if they made it up, Tidewater Savings Bank does sound very uh, legit. (laughs) It does, doesn't it? It really does. All right. So somebody from Tidewater keeps calling. um, Or no, somebody keeps calling trying to get to Tidewater Savings Bank. Um, and so, yeah, Jaleesa is dealing with that. And a frustrated Freddie reveals that she's not going to the sweetheart, Sweetheart's Dance after all. Barry Trapscott, another person that I'm wondering is on the crew, <laughs> very unique name, invited her, then uninvited her, then invited someone else. Woo. Everybody's striking out on Valentine's Day. Honey. So Freddie is, she's done. She's calling it a day. Meanwhile, the phone keeps ringing. And this time, Jaleesa gives in and she decides to pretend to be an employee at Tidewater Savings Bank. All the way in the Kingston, Jamaica branch. You want the bank? I'm going to give you the bank. (laughs) And Freddie is thoroughly impressed with Jaleesa's Jamaican accent and tells her she should call Walter and see if she can prank him. Freddie leaves the room and Jaleesa decides to call Walter. Sheila, an exchange student, lets Walter know she's been seeing him on campus and she's very much interested in him. And to Jaleesa's surprise, Walter says he's not seeing anyone special and would like to meet Sheila for coffee. <laughs> mm Now, I should say, this is a fun fact, Don Lewis is actually Guyanese-American. I Okay, okay. I thought yeah. her accent was pretty good, but you know. 
Yeah, yeah. Now, you know, I I do want to say to to my Caribbean brothers and sisters, we know Guyana is not Jamaica. True. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, But it is closely connected to the Caribbean. So another fun fact, Guyana is is the only English speaking country in South America. According to Google, classmates, okay. if I'm wrong about that, let me know. But that's what I—that's what I had heard. That's what the internet said. Yeah, that's what the internet said. Guyana is the only English-speaking country in South America. So since she has that background, it kind of would have been cool if they had her do a Guyanese accent instead of a Jamaican accent. But I—I I get why they picked Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Jamaica is the go-to for for a lot of things. Every, but that's what we all know. Yeah. In terms of the Caribbean. Yeah. Now, have you ever tested a boyfriend like this to see if they would say that they are, they're taken? No, I haven't. (laughs) Not as an adult, at least. I may have done something like that in high school, but definitely not as an adult. Not, Not at over 18. What about you? No, I've never, I've never thought to do that. My, my um philosophy is of course I want somebody to be faithful to me but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do no tests I'm not gonna do no games yeah what's done in the dark will come to light and absolutely I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna worry myself about that or trying to set traps to exactly to somebody. yeah I agree yeah I've never set a trap so yes so that is the birth of Sheila I do want to point out that um when she when she was talking, I know this is a sitcom, so you got to throw in a joke or two there. And she <laughs> mentions that this is a goats only line. If you want to deposit the chickens, go in the line over there and leave me alone. <laughs> I'm not so sure if this episode so. was done today that that line would stay. Yeah, because um, just when you mentioned it again, I was like, ooh. Uh, that may not have been taken lightly today. <laughs> no, no. And, you know, I I think now that now we are collectively more aware, we are realizing that is in, it is important to be um, more authentic and representative mm-hmm. of the diversity that exists, even within, you know, interracial diversity and, and recognize the different cultures and respect that. You know, I'm thinking about uh, recently at, at the time of this recording, there was a lot of pushback to Michael B. Jordan's new liquor line. Yes, his rum. Yes, yes. And it was named, oh, hold on. Juve. I, Juve, Juve, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, which is a name that is very much culturally tied to the Caribbean and um and I, I think part of the problem was that they were trying to trademark it, of course, because it yep. was it was a brand that they wanted to name it. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "You can't, you can't take, a, you can't trademark yeah. our culture. This is this is us, and you you just swooping in. This is not okay. Yeah, we're right. black, but but this is not your culture, right? The uh, it was associated with the carnival in Trinidad and Tobago, mm-hmm. and um. Yeah, and I'm glad that they did do that because you, we can't just, yeah, I, I, definitely to trademark it was taking it to the next level. Like, come on, y'all. Yeah. Don't do that. And of course, to, to Michael B. Jordan's credit, he heard, he heard the response and he, um, 
you know, he apologized and oh, they're changing the name of it. So okay. that's good. I'm I'm really glad that he he heard that and he agreed um, and realized that there was an error that was made. But mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure that back in the day, even though there probably would have been people who would have made that same argument, it probably would have fallen on deaf ears because yeah. I don't think that we were all collectively as aware and as willing to be more respectful of each other as we are now. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so now let's move on. Uh, Looks like it's the next day, and we are in Colonel Taylor's class, and the class is ending and the students are leaving, but we have a distracted Dwayne, slow to move. In fact, he's been distracted the entire class, and Colonel Taylor wants to know what is wrong. After correctly guessing that it has to do with his daughter, Dwayne tries to get him to tell him if Suzanne is seeing someone else, but Colonel Taylor refuses to get involved. And then Dwayne begins to beg, appealing to their shared experiences as men who've experienced heartbreak. After all, (laughs) Colonel Taylor's wife left him, so surely he understands. I gotta say, I thought that Colonel Taylor's wife was dead, but... <laughs> I now I now realize he is divorced. He is divorced. And not by his choosing. Mm-mm. So, yes. Colonel so he Taylor, says. So he says, yeah. But Colonel Taylor, you know, takes that on the chin and he reassures Dwayne that he's the only young man who's been at their dinner table every Sunday for the last two months. Woo. Not only does Dwayne call, he visits. And this makes Dwayne quite happy and relieved. Uh-huh. Suzanne then enters the classroom and asks Dwayne if they can talk about the ring that he gave her. Suzanne tells him that although she likes him, things are moving a little too fast and she needs space. Dwayne tries to take it in stride, but after Suzanne returns the ring and leaves the room, he declares to himself, I hate space. <laughs> Poor Dwayne. This ain't going the way that he wanted to. Now. No, it is not. What do you think about Suzanne? Do you think she was wrong for for turning turning Dwayne down and pushing him away like that? No. (laughs) Like I said in the beginning, I can definitely empathize with with Suzanne. Um, I've been involved with guys who've moved a little bit too fast for me and I've had to fall back. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't think she was wrong. I think it's better to push him away than to um, accept his advances without being genuine or sincere about it. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Cause that would be, that would be even worse if she's uncomfortable and he's thinking that everything is fine right. and we're moving at a great pace. And she's just like, mm, I don't like it, right. but she's not saying anything. Exactly. And, and that does happen. It does. Cause it's difficult to have, you know, she did the tough thing, which is to, you know, she mm-hmm. knows that what she's going to say is going to make him upset. Yeah. But she has to be honest. And there's a lot of people who would rather, avoid that conflict and just deal with it and just say well you know at least you know at least I got a man and at least he Mm -hmm. he really he clearly he's really into me and there's women who would love to be in my shoes so you know let me just I'll I'll come I'll come around 
you know, I'll just wait yeah. and come around. But Suzanne's just like, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. And I've tried that approach too. And it just makes things worse. It's better to just nip it in the bud in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough, but you got to do what you got to do. Now we have noticed a bit of a pattern with Dwayne. True. He spent all of last year, remember in season one, infatuated mm-hmm. with Denise Huxtable, even though she barely returned his affection. Sure did. Now he's infatuated with Suzanne Taylor, even though she doesn't like him as much as he likes her. So it's it's very interesting how we're seeing Dwayne kind of being presented and his approach to relationships and then compare and contrast that to to Ron's approach in relationships, mm-hmm. especially season two, Ron. Not necessarily season one, Ron, because he was dedicated <laughs> to Millie. <sighs> but but that affection was returned. But Ron is out here just like, I, I ain't got no loyalty to nobody. I'm out here. So yeah, it, you know, although it's a little problematic, it is um, in the grander scheme of things, I appreciate the vulnerability that Dwayne is displaying. Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem to be typically shown in young black men. A lot of times That's young true. people, especially young black men, are kind of shown as being tough and, and not wanting to show that that emotional, vulnerable side. And Dwayne, clearly he's not afraid to, to say, I love you first. Right. And show that I love you first. Mm-hmm. So, but Dwayne's, Dwayne is living and learning right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the other thing, too, that I found interesting in this scene is that Dwayne would rather believe that Suzanne wanted to slow things down because there's another man instead of uh. understanding that her feelings had nothing to do with anybody but herself. Yeah. Which is, you know, I'm I'm sure there's a lot of people that can relate to that because it's hard mm-hmm. to believe that there's not external factors around it you know but no it's it, this is her this is her right. doing you she just is not on the same page as you yeah what you're saying makes me think about this movie called she's just not that into you or he's <laughs> yeah. just not that into you uh you know sometimes or oftentimes if not all the time i understand how and why that is a hard pill to swallow but it's just the truth. It's not always someone else. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, well, that's the lesson that that Dwayne is going to have to learn. And mm-hmm. we will see him continue to learn this lesson after we take a very short break. Okay. See you on the other side. Hillman Class Reunion is committed to supporting institutions that center Black people and communities. We hope that as you return week after week to listen to our podcast, you will hear us use our voices in support of historically Black colleges and universities, and we encourage our classmates to learn about, advocate for, and actively support these institutions of higher education. The coronavirus pandemic has impacted every part of society, with Black lives, Black communities, and Black institutions being amongst the hardest hit. Therefore. All season long, we will highlight and donate to a variety of HBCUs, which have long been the foundation of Black excellence, Black intelligence, and Black innovation. Now more than ever, these institutions need our support. This week, we are highlighting and donating to University of Maryland Eastern Shore in Princess Anne, Maryland. 
Founded in 1886, UMES has the distinction of being ranked among the top 20 HBCUs in the country, according to U.S. News and World Report. Go to umes.edu or hillmanclassreunion.com wordpress to learn more about UMES and ways you can support. All right, so we are back to finish up this episode. And now we are actually in the library where Jaleesa is working. Homegirl got two jobs, working at the library, and she is an RA at Gilbert Hall. Because that's what grown women do. Because that's what grown women do. They take care (laughs) of their business. She's working two jobs, and she's maintaining this alter ego now of Sheila, who works (laughs) at the bank. (laughs) Even the alter ego got a job. Right. Um, okay, so we see Walter entering the library and he tries to make some small talk. And Jaleesa reminds him that they have a movie date that night. But Walter tells her that they need to go to the early show because he has to meet Dean Hewitt later to talk about a student. Although she knows that he's not being honest, Jaleesa goes along with it, gathering her evidence. She's setting this trap. Now, just as he's about to leave, he decides to check out a book called Jamaica Paradise Exposed. <laughs> he explains his sudden interest in the country is due to his application to a sweepstakes to win a trip to Jamaica. Across the room, we see Suzanne walking and talking with an alpha, or as Dwayne calls him, the Jerry Curl Man. Mm. Girl, that ponytail, but we'll get into it. <laughs> And they are walking right past Dwayne. He gets her attention. Dwayne gets her attention and asks if she would like to see a Russian film tonight. But she's already made plans to study with a friend. However, she agrees to meet up with him later for coffee. On her way out, she bumps into Whitley, who tries to slickly check for a ring on her fingers. Whitley confronts Dwayne about the missing ring and he updates her on the status of their relationship. Dwayne's insecurities begin to show and Whitley takes it upon herself to help him make Suzanne jealous by making a scene in the library. Unfortunately, dense Dwayne doesn't go (laughs) along with the plan and Suzanne didn't even notice. Right. (laughs) And and Suzanne didn't even notice is like big because Whitley was going for it. (laughs) Girl, that's how you get a man. Or, a per- you know, a person where there are romantic interests involved. When you act unbothered, that's when it's time to worry. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I tell people that all the time, especially, like, guy friends that I know. Now, if she's, you know, yelling and screaming and crying about the situation, there may be hope. But the minute sister girl is like, whatever. When she's unbothered, it's it's a wrap. <laughs> It's a wrap. And the and the signs were there because even when she was talking to her friend, girl, she almost ran over Dwayne. She was so absorbed in that conversation. She she kind of pushed him to the side. <laughs> well, yeah, poor Dwayne. Poor Dwayne. All right. So let's uh let's get into actually let's get into Whitley and Dwayne for for a second longer. Cause shout out to Whitley taking it upon herself to be Dwayne's wing woman. Mm-hmm. She's sitting up there checking for rings, trying to make Suzanne jealous. 
this is this is a very different Whitley than what we saw in season one. Whitley is trying to be a good friend. She really is, because she never would have pulled a stunt like that in public before. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I mean, you know, and even and for real, she would not have because remember, her reputation was a bit tarnished. At least she felt like it was tarnished last season when she when people thought that she and Dwayne were together. Remember when he tried to escape out of her room? Oh, yes. And people saw that. And then she Uh was she felt like she was she had the scarlet letter on or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So and now here she is a year later and she's pulling him onto the table and talking about take me now. Take me now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I need you now. <laughs> yeah, so you know, shout out to a brand new Whitley, and also shout out to the whoever that man was that was sitting at the table when when Whitley was trying to get Dwayne to go along with her shenanigans, right? And he's just looking <laughs> like, <laughs> "What are you doing?" <laughs> I don't know who this man is. I don't even think, and we'll see him pop up. Several mm-hmm. more times throughout this episode and actually um, throughout the run of A Different World, or at least a couple seasons. Um, I don't think he's ever spoken, but he's just there and he makes his presence known. And I just, classmates, if y'all know this man's name, please let us know so we can give him his props because he he matters in this, yeah, uh, he does. <laughs> in his, he does. this human universe. Yeah, he's definitely a familiar face. I would say, in terms of the Hillman universe, he is almost as ubiquitous as Quincy in terms of like the record, you know, how recognizable he is from a different world as an extra. Right, 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 right. Absolutely. So, okay, so that is the library. Wait a minute. Okay, Uh so in the library, the alpha and that ponytail oh (laughs) let's talk about it can we can we not gloss over that i don't know how much there is to talk about but it is not lost upon me that little sad ponytail (laughs) it just looks sad it just looks sad so so thin so small girl (laughs) and that was and that was the go-to insult back then talking about somebody's jerry curl girl you can't you can't throw that insult out today people true, don't really have true. jerry curls but back then ooh. true and you know we we try not to hair shame right <laughs> but i think also at during that period jerry curls were kind of being phased out right yeah jerry curls were being phased out in like the late 80s early 90s so but yeah that that little ponytail was so sad looking to me. I just <laughs> he, he needed a little more activated in there. So yeah, little, some extensions or something. But you oh know. lord, <laughs> just need a little little more little thickness to it. Just looks sad. But but anyway, what happens in the he next? He was scene? a college student, girl. He he didn't have access to to his stylist like he did when he was at home. Girl, bye. This is a black college. You know, there is some girl on campus running the beauty salon in her dorm room. Every campus had (laughs) the dorm room beautician. Look, I tried. I tried, Mr. Alpha Man. I tried. I tried to defend. (laughs) Shout out to the 06. (laughs) 
All right, now later on, we are at Gilbert Hall and Jaleesa is fed up. She has had enough and she decides to tell Walter that Dean Hewitt called to cancel their meeting with the student. And it turns out this student was hit by a bus. Hard. (laughs) Good grief. That's quite violent. And then she reveals that not only does she know about him and Sheila, but Sheila was her. So it's a aha, I got you. Mm-hmm. And Walter laughs it off like he does with just about everything, saying that he knew it all along. But Jaleesa is not laughing, and she tells him to leave. She's upset. On his way out, though, Walter announces the debut performance of Walter Oaks and the Little Acorns, singing the classic song, Jaleesa is Sheila. Is Sheila. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So this is the song that has stayed in my head for years and years. But of course, I didn't know all the words. So I knew the Jaleesa is Sheila. Sheila is Jaleesa. So the rest of it, according to what, you know, the um, the uh, captions that I saw on Amazon Prime is no fool me, no fool me. Your accent didn't fool me. Jaleesa, Jaleesa, I just want to seize you. Jaleesa, Jaleesa, let's go have some pizza. Pizza. <laughs> so, cute little song. Jaleesa is Sheila. Sheila is Jaleesa. <laughs> that was cute. Yeah. All right. So, looks like all's well in uh, with Walter and Jaleesa there. Next, we go back to the pit full of Valentine's decor. Freddie and Kim are trying to make the best of the day, even with no dates. And Mr. Gaines decides to try to cheer them up the best way he knows how, through action. (laughs) And he proceeds to tell two young gentlemen to take them out on a date. And that's that on that. I I, I love wish Mr. I had a Mr. Gaines sometimes. No, <laughs> I know. Just make it happen. Find me a man, Mr. Gaines. There you go. Yeah. So Freddie and Kim are happy. Now we see Suzanne walking in to meet up with Dwayne, who immediately informs her that this space thing is not working for him and suggests that they just go ahead and break up. Unsurprisingly, Suzanne agrees a little too fast. <laughs> Which only <laughs> confirms Dwayne's suspicions of her cheating on him with the Alpha Man from the library. Not only do we learn that he actually has a name, which is Bill, we also learn that he's Suzanne's friend's fiance. So, with that information, Suzanne finally tells Dwayne that she's not ready for a serious relationship and they really do need to call it quits. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm, mm. So let's talk about the demise of Suzanne and Dwayne on this Valentine's Aww. Day. What do you think? I feel sad. I feel a little sad for Dwayne. I don't. <laughs> he was just doing too much. <laughs> yeah. But but something I thought about as we are discussing Dwayne. It's such a conundrum because there are times when we want the person we're interested in to move 
and it's like they don't move and we're upset, but then sometimes they move too fast. And so it's like, where is, I don't, I don't know what that balance is or what the exact right time is. But also it brings to mind the fact that Dwayne does come from a home where he has two parents who may have had a very loving relationship. Mm-hmm. And so even though they are very young, in Dwayne's mind, he may be diligently and earnestly seeking that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so for some people, that may come off or, you know, he may come off as rushing or, you know, moving things too quickly. But, you know, he may be emulating the model that he sees at home which is, you know, two people involved in a loving, flirtatious relationship. I don't know. Yeah. He's he's no different than a lot of people, um, especially, you know, when it comes to college. There's a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. I thought the same way, especially after watching A Different World. Seeing Dwayne and Whitley, I thought, okay, then I'm going to meet my Dwayne in college. And that did not happen. <laughs> But I think there's a lot of people who think that they are going to meet their um, forever person. Um, and, Kyle, you know, and we'll we'll even kind of touch on this a little bit um, in the mm-hmm. next episode. Right. Um, where you have people kind of going to college to get married. Or True. at least, you know, it may, maybe that that mindset isn't as pervasive today, but for sure, especially when it came to women going to college, there's a lot of people that felt like the reason why a woman should go to college is to find a husband. Mm. Certainly not yeah. to try to advance themselves educationally or professionally. So yeah, it it's uh, it is kind of understandable that a young man would would think, well, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to find somebody and commit mm. early and yeah, do do what it is that I I've always seen from my mm-hmm, parents, like mm-hmm. you said. Yeah. But I do appreciate, you know, especially on the part of Suzanne, seeing this depiction of a young woman who really seems to be unbothered by the idea of being in a relationship. Yes. You know, she could take this or she can leave it. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was especially interesting considering when they began their relationship, she was really worried about Dwayne's interest once he found out who her father was. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like once that, was all sorted out she kind of was like uh let me think about this a little bit more (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'm okay with this and i'm also okay with being completely alone i don't i don't need a man Mm -hmm. so i do appreciate that yeah i as i've been saying the entire recording i definitely empathize with suzanne because even though I definitely wanted my own Dwayne. I never wanted to be in a serious relationship in college. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm coming to college to explore and to just date and to just do do me. Like I always, I always saw myself going to college, getting that degree, going to grad school, getting a degree, working, and just living single for a minute. And maybe I was also influenced by, you know, living single, actually. (laughs) Right. (laughs) The television series. But even as an undergraduate, and I did have friends who wanted to meet their husband 
while in college and wanted to get married shortly after college, I was always like, yeah, I'll get married at like 28, 29, maybe 30. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I definitely can empathize with Suzanne. All right. So now we have Freddie and Kim going out on their dates. Dwayne is newly single and we return back to Gilbert Hall where we see Miss Whitley dolled up in a prom dress. <laughs> Dressed up and no place to go, unfortunately, because it turns out Derek had to cancel their date. To save face, Whitley says that she was falling ill anyway and she was about to cancel as well. Now, Freddie and Kim, they are on their way out to meet their dates and Dwayne stops by to give Whitley a box of chocolates to thank her. Whitley lies and says that she's on her way out to meet Derek for dinner. And so Dwayne lies and says that he dumped Suzanne. <laughs> However, it doesn't take long for both of them to finally fess up. First, Dwayne shares that he was the one who got dumped and he is now heartbroken. And then Whitley reveals that her date canceled. Dwayne then invites Whitley to join him to see a movie about the Russian Navy. And with a kiss, Whitley accepts. And that is how the episode ends. Aww. Now, let's talk about this, you know, Valentine's Day. Lots of hustle and bustle at Gilbert Hall. You see all these girls going in and out. What do you remember about Valentine's Day when you were in college? Yeah, we, we did talk about this a little bit or maybe a lot bit in our season one. <laughs> There's a Valentine's Day episode uh, in season one of A Different World as well that we reviewed. But I remember, and I'll just give the short version of it, my freshman year feeling lonely because people were having dates and I went through the Rolodex and this guy eventually asked me out or, you know, I ended up going on a little date for Valentine's Day and we went to the Olive Garden and, you know, back then the Olive Garden was like special, mm -hmm. but it was so crowded and just annoying. And I said at that point, I never have to go out or do anything special for Valentine's Day again. And I think after that point in school, even though it did not have the official name, Valentine's Day, uh, oftentimes my girlfriends and I would just do something probably at the dorm or, you know, fun, have a game night or order pizza and junk food. And that's how we would spend Valentine's Day. Because also guys around that time at that age, they tended to try to not be tied down for Valentine's mm -hmm. Day. Because I think they didn't want the obligation or to spend the money. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, dudes would kind of stay far away. What about you? Yeah, nothing really stands out um, about Valentine's Day on campus to me, except for just, you know, noticing a, a lot of activity going around and stuff. But yeah, I remember kind of hanging out with friends or, um, you know, just trying to, to dress up and just for me, because um, I never really did the whole, um, you know, going out for Valentine's Day thing. But it would be fun to to um, dress up or um, buy, buy some candies or do a little something just to, just to note the day. Yeah. Um, but also child, we were 
like I'm sure I had lots of homework and papers to write and stuff. So, right. I wasn't trying to do too much. I was trying to survive. (laughs) Especially when it fell during the week. Right. It's like, all right, put this red shirt on and go. (laughs) Our red sweater because it's February. It's February. (laughs) You were in upstate New York. So, right. (laughs) Nobody was going to see that red sweater anyway because you'd be bumped out of the door. Because you'd be bundling and layered up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was it was a regular day, but you know, we tried to try to put some red on it. Uh now, were you surprised that Whitley agreed to go out with Dwayne? I was, especially to see whatever he was talking about. What what movie did he want to go see? And the- I don't it was something Russian. I, first of all, I was just, just like, what's going on with Dwayne and this this fascination with the Russian Navy? Because he tried to get Suzanne to go with him and right. she, she shooed him away. So now Whitley's going to go. Yeah, I was surprised Whitley wanted to do such an activity. But, child, I guess when you lonely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Whitley was dressed up and no place to go. So, yeah, I guess she figured she might as well. And, and probably it wasn't for the movie, but really just for the company. And, yeah. you know, again, they they seem to have turned a corner in their in their friendship compared exactly. to last season. So I'm sure she was like this. This isn't a bad person to spend Valentine's Day with. Absolutely. And also, I think that when you're friends, sometimes it's more about the company. Yeah. It's more about the company rather than the activity per se. So, but however, let's not skip over that kiss. She planted on his lips in the end. Woo. Do you recall that? That's, that's not a, that's not a friend kiss. That's a friends with benefits kiss. That did look like a friends with benefits kiss. It looked a little wet, didn't it? (laughs) It was right on the mouth. It was right on the mouth. Yeah. I was like, okay, Willie. Out of nowhere. <laughs> yes. Like, I see you. <laughs> I see you. This is a sign of things to come. You know, mind you, earlier in the season, Whitley did have a have a have a dream about Dwayne and kind of sure did. Yeah. about them and you know that that iconic uh that was a, a dream sequence in the mm-hmm. computer room and they right floated across the room and kissed each other. Yeah. Right, right. So definitely planting the seeds for Dwayne and Whitley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's the episode. Now let's go through some of our final thoughts and takeaways. Ely, do you have any any final thoughts to give here? Uh something you brought up during our conversation, which I did not necessarily think about when watching, but I think it's an excellent point that I would just like that I would just like to reemphasize. And that was the vulnerability of a black man. Yeah. I appreciated them bringing that out in the episode. Yeah, me too. And um, you know, Dwayne being the good guy, even though the good guy gets jaded here <laughs> by Suzanne and I can understand why because he was moving a bit fast I do appreciate the sincerity and genuineness in which his pursuit was presented yeah you know he wasn't the 
coming off as the player type or the, you know, just spitting the game or playing hard to get or playing games. He put it out there and, um, yeah, I, I like that. And also, I like the subplot with Jaleesa and Walter. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I thought that was cute, too, and how even though Jaleesa was playing games, Walter, you know, was right there with her and um, called her on it. So I thought that was cute. I, I really like that, you know. Yeah. Just the role of the roles of, of um, the black men and how they um, were depicted in these romantic situations. I thought that was cute. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and I also appreciated, again, Suzanne and just the depiction of this young black woman who chose not to be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like there was another man or anything. It was she she decided that this was not the the relationship she wanted to be in, you know, and let some folks tell it all black women want a man and a right. piece of a man will do. And, you know, here she is. She has Dwayne. Maybe he's a, a bit too eager, but, you know, everything else seems to be good on paper. Mm-hmm. You know, he's smart. He's going places. He's he's a good person. He's he only has eyes for her right now. Um, so so why not just just take him? Um, but, you know, for Suzanne, that wasn't enough. And, and uh, I'm glad that that uh, they showed this black woman who who chose herself, really. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, So I appreciated that. Um, You know, one thing that I also appreciated was just how they showed Whitley and Dwayne spending so much time together platonically uh, through this episode with them kind of helping each other and and supporting each other more so Whitley advising and supporting him. Um, But, you know, Dwayne also also being there for her at the at the end. Um, So I appreciated um, the development of their friendship. The other thing to note <laughs> is that even though this was a Valentine's Day episode, it was quite heavy on the heartbreak and disappointment. Yes, it was. From Dwayne and Suzanne to Kim and Robert to Whitley and Derek to Freddie and Barry to Jaleesa and Walter, although, you know, they kind of got back together. But she did right. think that he was two-timing her. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh, to, even to Colonel Taylor being reminded that his wife left him with nobody safe. Nobody safe. Everybody had to had to feel that pain a little bit mm-hmm. on this Valentine's Day. Um, and Ex- speaking, oh, go ahead. I was like, except Mr. Gaines. Except Mr. Gaines, the matchmaker. <laughs> by the way, he's the only person on this episode with a guaranteed boo named Th- named Velma, Velma, and he didn't uh, even mention her once. I wonder what did he do, um, uh, for Velma for Valentine's Day. Heart-shaped chitlins. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. He might not have done anything because he he sure did act like he wasn't married. He was just he was just there working. He didn't say nothing about I got to go home because we got to spend Valentine's Day together. Mm-mm. Mr. Gaines probably like Velma knows I love her. Right. <laughs> she already know we ain't got to do nothing. Yeah. So, but also, you know, speaking of Kim and heartbreak, Kim kind of bounced back from that heartbreak with Robert a little faster than I expected. You know, there wasn't much 
focus on her in this episode, of course. So sure. maybe we can assume she she kind of fell apart off screen. But it just seemed like she was just, I don't know, she just bounced back real quick. And then all of a sudden now she's going out on this blind date with this dude that Mr. Gaines set her up for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she pro- Listen, she probably was like, I'm glad I dodged that bullet. I, yeah, maybe she came to that conclusion quick. So I was I was a little surprised about Kim, but you know, everybody moves at their own pace. Every, that is true. Um, the other thing I noticed, um, the elephant in the room, or or the elephant that wasn't in the room was Ron. Where was Ron? Girl, poor ask Ron. me where I think Ron was though. Where do you think Ron was, Portia? I think <laughs> I think Ron was with Millie. Yes. Of course you did. You will not let Millie go, will you? No, because Millie ain't gone. Millie is still there. Millie is somewhere off screen. They've been on and off all season, Ron and Millie. Okay. And okay. I feel like Ron is trying to make it work for Valentine's Day. He had to go off campus be. to be with his woman. And that's that on that. Okay. You know what? Because Ron does have a pattern of disappearing for a significant on-campus event, <laughs> I'm going to go with your hypothesis. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's where he was. And, you know, and it tracks because I do remember there were times when friends would be gone for Valentine's Day because they would be that's true. somewhere yep. with their boo. That's true. That is true. That is accurate. So, okay, that's fair. I'll give mm-hmm. you that one. Okay. okay. <laughs> and then also, I just want to mention, remember in season one, Valent- the Valentine's Day episode featured Letty reuniting with an old flame from South Africa. Oh, yeah. And if you notice, Letty wasn't in this year's Valentine's Day episode. Now, I wonder where she was this year. Letty was somewhere on Boo, I bet you. Either a new Boo or the South African Boo. That man was married, girl. Girl, listen. If things happen, <laughs> they reunited. Okay. All right. At least she got his phone number again, and he got well, hers. Well, I hope the ink was dry on his divorce papers. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't say nothing about no grown folks. <laughs> On that note, how might this episode be done different if done today? (laughs) Well, okay. So, you know, of course, like we mentioned, this was back in the 80s. So Robert was sending letters, but I'm sure that he would have shared his his adventures in England through email or text. Yes. And, and Kim would have found out via... Instagram post. Oh, that too. Yeah, he probably would have been posting on social media. Yeah, and probably would have posted up a picture of some 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 white chick, and Kim would have been like, "Ah, oh, who is this?" Yeah, or he would have posted a picture of just himself, and Homegirl would have liked it and ma- written a comment. That's that too. That too. Yeah. So, who is this new friend? Right. 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 Um, I think that um, probably everybody probably would have been on dating apps mm-hmm. trying to find a little Valentine's date. Absolutely. Through Tinder or something. Or Bumble. Bumble, yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. 
I think, you know, this is the days before caller ID. So instead of calling Walter and pretending to be Sheila, because she would have been found out real quick, she probably would have catfished him online. Yeah, she would have slid into the DM. She would have figured out. Yeah, she she would have created a new account and then she would have mm-hmm. yeah, found out uh what you going to say if you think I'm somebody else. And then also I think that um instead of Don Lewis doing a a Jamaican accent as Sheila, she would have done a Guyanese accent which would have been much more true to her own personal background. Mhm. And then of course they probably wouldn't have done the goats and chickens joke. <laughs> Probably not. I'm sure they would not have. I agree with everything you said. I just, the only thing definitely that I would add and just reemphasize is that uh, Kim would have definitely caught Robert cheating via social media, probably Instagram. It would have been a picture and or a comment. Yeah, I agree. So how would you rate this episode on a scale of one to five? Uh, I'm going to put it at a four. I think okay. I, it, it had um, some good moments. And of course, to me, the iconic Jaleesa is Sheila. Sheila is Jaleesa song. <laughs> that was cute. That was fun. Yeah. What about you? How would you rate this? Uh, it's a three and a half for me. Okay. It was a three and a half for me. It was cute. It was not not my fave. Not really bordering on my fave, but slightly, <laughs> but slightly above average. So, you know, good episode, solid, don't get me wrong. But is it, is, I'm going to give it a three and a half. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. All right. Well, there you have it. That was episode 14, Breaking Up is Hard to Do, season two of A Different World. Thank you all for joining us, classmates. Thank you so much. We had fun. As always. And we are looking forward to joining you again in the next episode. We'll see you later. See you later. Bye. Bye. I'm Dr. LaRonda Ely. And I'm Dr. Portia Flowers. Thank you for listening to this installment of Hillman Class Reunion Podcast. Hillman Class Reunion is produced, written, directed, and edited by LaRonda Ely and Portia Flowers. Original intro and outro music was produced by our friend and brother, Daquan Bowen. You can get more information about him at DaquanBowen.com. That's D-E-Y-Q-U-A-N-B-O-W-E-N-S.com. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hillman Reunion, Instagram at Hillman Class Reunion, and Facebook at Hillman Class Reunion. And visit our website at hillmanclassreunion.wordpress.com. And hey, classmates, like, rate, and subscribe to Hillman Class Reunion on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We hope that you join us for our next episode of Hillman Class Reunion. Bye. Bye.